Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I'm Tim and welcome to our podcast, our last podcast for the month of October. We've done a lot of podcasts this month. I know. I'm putting a lot out there. So um, with it being our last podcast in October, we're sticking with our um, theme of Halloween. And um, today's podcast is going to be on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders of 1946. Um, the Moonlight Murders uh, involved a, the Phantom Killer, so named because he has never been, or she has never been um, found. So technically, they're still at large. Uh, we're going to get into that, but before we get into the story, I would like to introduce um, the very talented, very lovely, uh, and ravishing Brown hair beauty, Brandy. How are you, Brandy? I am ravishing today. I got my face on, so you do have your face on. I'm, so, I'm glad so I feel to. Glad, good. I'm good to see you. Just didn't roll out of bed and come in like you normally do. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. you got like real clothes on, no, no sweats. Yeah, I mean you're yeah. you're. I had a meeting today. Oh, okay. I the thought de- maybe the devil no, look almost it wasn't human for people. Today. I thought perhaps she was. Uh, the devil wears many faces. I thought perhaps she <laughs> the devil was. Devil wear many faces and product. And you know the you know what's the worst thing of your day is to me. You know when life just. Uh, yeah. Your day just ain't starting out right because you walk in and you 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 know you're trying to get to your job and get to your business. Did you introduce him yet? Because no, I thought no. we were still focused over on this side yeah. of the table. This is still focusing on her. Is all right, all right. you walk by and you look and you, you see a woman and you like, do a little bit of a double take, double take and then you go, ah! Yeah. I just did a double take on the devil. Oh. So you feeling dirty or cheap? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But she does look lovely I today. didn't like it either. You do look lovely today. <laughs> she, did, she didn't even know about it. She yeah. didn't like it. It kind of creeps her out, I'm sure. Yeah. It does make me feel dirty. <laughs> After we get done, I'm going to go shower. I, I think that would be a... I don't blame you. Well, you do look quite lovely today. And um, I have to introduce now, of course, uh, our Yeah, because he's here. Because he's here. And otherwise, he would just keep talking. Um, the um, one and only, the... Uh, very distinguished, very uh, debonair, uh, the wordy. Very, very wordy, very inept. Yes, nice. Um, the most dangerous man in podcasting, the Honorable <laughs> Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? How do you think I'm doing today, Tim? 
I don't know, Colonel. You well, seem a little uptight. I'm telling you how I'm doing. Tell you how I'm doing. Okay, that was my hand hitting the table for effect. Yeah, I saw that. I saw. I'm, I, I've got the headphones on. I heard that. Thank you. I'm <laughs> fucking hungry, Timmy. I'm hungry. Where my where Why my damn swearing? sandwich? At? Why are you swearing? Why are you swearing? You know what? Who was supposed to bring you a sandwich today? The producer. Did he bring you said sandwich? I had a bagel. Did I? There's a leftover in a you room from bagel. somewhere. Yeah, I did. Did you Did you dig it out of the trash? I I got the cream cheese somewhere. I don't know. It was. I think it might have been. Perhaps your producer was busy writing these scripts and doing research and editing podcasts, doing all the things that the producer well, does, as opposed to running your errands for you. You know, and this brings up something. You know, and listeners, I'm sorry if I'm not on the top of my game. My blood sugar a little low. Because um, maybe you'll pass me out. And we'll get through this thing in an hour. <laughs> right. Um, this uh, <laughs> this bring up something the Colonel been wanting to talk to everybody about, and I'm gonna need the listeners to get on board with this to uh, leave some messages on the Facebook page and convince Tim um, that if he wants to keep the Colonel around. Oh, here he goes on the um, personal assistant gig again. Thing. The Colonel need a personal assistant. Now, goddamn it, if I had a personal assistant, you know what else I'd have? I'd have a sandwich in front of me. <laughs> I'd have a sandwich. My, I got a, I got a, a half warm. Lukewarm soda here. How is that um, my fault? Because you didn't put my soda in the refrigerator. Okay, Colonel. Let me explain something to you. We, I know in that Norm, Norma Desmond mind of yours that we're. we're Norma Desmond! <laughs> we're a big guy. We're like MGM. Only you could work in a Norma Desmond. <laughs> I like, love it! Like we're an MGM or, a, you know, Warner Brothers or something. But we have no We're money. DreamWorks. Yeah, we're dreamers. We have no money. We have no budget. We have no sponsors. We have no. We do have sponsors. We have no 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 real sponsors that give us money. We have no subscribers. We have two sponsors today. Um, (laughs) Have them pay for you. So and they can pay. And I guess I should just go over them. This is a law firm. That's and this is a real law firm. It sounds funny, but uh, the law firm is Ditcha, Quick, and Hyde. Sure. They're divorce attorneys. Of course they are. Very nice. And now you, I don't. If anybody watched the Republican debates, and you know the third Donald third. Trump was talking about getting all the illegals out of here. Yeah, I didn't um, see you on that stage. Quite no, oddly I, I, enough. No, because I'm doing the Dancing with the Stars. Oh, okay, now. you can't do but, two, both at once. Now, how are we going to get rid of twelve? They keep saying, "How are you going to get?" Okay, the, the the Colonel hooked up with a security company. Um, that they, they think they can do the job. They can find all their illegals and get them out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're sponsoring us today. The name of the, sh- the company is One in a Million. Well, they believe they can find so one bad. in a million. That's so bad. I, that's, don't look at the colonel. He just t- takes the check. So now we got sponsors out of the way. I just think that can, you know, uh, We uh, talked sh- back sh- about this uh, personal <laughs> assistant. Now no. I have okay. two choices for my personal PA. assistant. If you get a PA, I get one. I want a personal you, neither assistant. Neither of you get a PA. And neither gets a personal assistant. I want either KD, Kato Kalen. Kato, OJ, he's probably free. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's not shacking up with OJ at this point. Or I want that, that pretty uh, Monica Lewinsky. Then we decided he could get girl. Bobby Trendy from. He could have Bobby Trendy from the Anna Nicole show. I'll take Bobby Trendy. Okay, Colonel, again, we have no money. No budget. We Can cannot we do a hi- GoFundMe for the Colonel he, personal no, assistant? No, no GoFundMe. Kato has to live Well, i tell you, you what. Can you, I get an intern? Here's Kato what you has can to live with you. You can convince the University of Cincinnati Department of Communication to give you an intern. 
you knock yourself out. Here we go. Well, can we do a GoFundMe on the on the on the no. Facebook page for no, personal we're not assistant doing... for the Colonel? No. Are there any listeners that want to come in and be a personal assistant? None for of your the children want to. Help I have you. no what lunch. Makes you think that I have no. And and here's the other thing we need, Timmy. What's that? And now I'm looking over here at the devil, and you know you can. You she can, looks quite lovely today. You can dress up a you know. Be very you can careful. dress up a devil, but she's still a devil. Yeah. A devil by, I, I believe it was Shakespeare who said, a devil by any other name is still a devil. I think he said rose, but yeah, it's close enough. Whatever. Right. Smelling is sweet. Yeah. yeah. Like You're paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> so, as you mentioned, the devil looks um, very by, lovely. By some standards, uh, lovely. Um, and, and I'm used to looking over here at somebody who, a lot of times, wearing a hoodie. A lot of times look like she maybe slept in a car, whatever. A lot of times, what? and I think a lot of times she, you, you never see her because her she's playing Candy Crush. Candy Crush. Well, oh my gosh! We need a makeup person to take care of the devil before the show, so she creates a more pleasant environment. And if she felt prettier, she would act prettier, Timmy. Colonel, so we're not. Gonna, what are we going to do with you? Huh? What are we going to do with you? The Colonel just need a little bit of hair gel. He wants cologne. a makeup artist. He wants a green room, and he wants a makeup artist. As I told you before, we're a podcast. We're not on the Periscope. We're not on the YouTube. You we're not on the Netflix. You don't get it. The, uh, the Colonel walked down the street. I had people approach me every single day. Oh, Colonel, Colonel, Colonel. And you know, a lot no, of times my hair a mess. That's not My true. hair a mess. I got my nose is all shiny. You don't have that much hair. You have image and, uh, issues. You do huh? have image issues. Yeah, I gotta keep up. I got I got an image to keep up. So that's my demands. Personal <laughs> assistant. I prefer to Monica Lewinsky. Um, if I can't get her, I'll take pretty much anybody. Um, you well, know, if you I, can get a volunteer, I don't I, care I, if I it's said, a you, you, you got a contact background. Doesn't matter to me. You can contact University of Cincinnati. Xavier University, if you can convince the director of their communication department to give you an intern. Well, okay, if we ain't going to get the makeup artist, can we at least tell the devil to put some makeup on and dress up on the days of podcast? No. <laughs> so your demands are falling on deaf ears. Let me put it this way. If Bill Gates tomorrow decides he loves our podcast and he just wants to throw... I think he would. If Seven hundred million dollars. I think he would. Bill and, Gates. And we have money stacked up in this studio, and we trip over it. He still mm-hmm. wouldn't get a PA. You still wouldn't get a personal assistant. All so right, fine. Maybe, perhaps you should. Uh, I know you want a makeup artist. I know you like feeling pretty. Mail order bride. Yeah, that's the uh, way. Yeah, the real doll. The real doll. Already on the list for a mail order bride. I'm just saying that could be your PA. Well, okay. That's true. Okay, and let's um, give our shout outs yes. to. We, as I said, um, I have not heard from lovely Lady Beverly, so I'm assuming she's recovering. Yeah, I'll get well soon, Um, Beverly. Colleen has been telling me about the cool places in Michigan um, that I need to visit, so... Oh, good. um, And you go up there every year. I call her Colleen every time. It's Celine. Celine. Um, She's going to come down here and... And Celine, if you come down here to thump me in the head for that, would you be my personal assistant for just a short period of time? Celine, no, you well, cannot at least give me a sandwich. Our I a, you got any crackers, devil? Just anything around here? I could Probably sometimes. Okay. Okay. So hi to Celine and Knut over in Norway. 
Canute, yeah. Teach me how to fish in hot harpoon or something, Canute. I ain't eat nothing all day. Um, we, you know, we've got two listeners that listen to us from Sweden, and we would love mm. for them to contact us through our Facebook page, History Dweebs, um, to find out about more about them, and we'll give them a shout-out. I wonder they, if they could get us a discount on the Swedish fish. The Colonel I don't know. Loves they get beautiful fish. women in Sweden, though. Jeez. Okay, uh, who isn't else? The, isn't Sweden where porn originated? I think so. That's that Swedish erotica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> did we miss anyone? Mom. Your mother. My mom. Well, of course, Dottie. And Dottie, I appreciate you taking up for the, sticking up for the colonel when your son was so cruelly bullying him about his socks. You had Mickey Mouse socks on. You're a grown man, You're going to be on to catch a predator. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> Were, Look at uh, my Mickey Mouse socks, little girl. Come get into my van. See? Let me show you my underoos. No matter how you dress her up, she's still the devil. Underoos. Still the devil. <laughs> okay. Timmy said underoos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so also, uh, Casey, we miss him. Come back. Brittany, we're looking forward to her next appearance on the show. So if we missed anybody, I'm sorry, but um, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, give us, a, Send us an email through... History Dweeves Facebook page, and we'll make sure to give you a shout-out next uh, next time. Okay, let's move on to our topic, because it's a creepy topic, and it's a long topic. We apologize if this runs a little longer than our normal podcast, but what the heck, it's Halloween. So our topic for today is the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, which occurred in the spring of 1946 in Texarkana, uh, Arkansas. And um, which is a small town in uh, the Royal, I guess, what do we consider it? Southwest or Southeast? It's, a, it's, it's in it's Miller County, middle. Arkansas. Yeah. yeah, but I mean in uh, Arkansas for our listeners. We have a lot of listeners. It's in, over by Texas. A lot of our listeners Texas in um, the UK. We have more and more listeners mm-hmm. in the UK. It's by the Panhandle region. Yeah, so, um, uh, so anyway, this is a small uh-huh. town, and this was 1946. And between the months of March, I'm sorry, February, late February, and May of 1946. Have you ever seen our country? Five people were killed and three were wounded uh, through these uh, attacks through this, on this small little town. These crimes have never been solved. So, the, like I said, potentially the murderer is still at large, even though he or she would be quite long in the tooth at this point. He would be elderly. Would be elderly. But uh, anyway... Uh, and it was a kind of a creepy scenario. At dusk, the city uh, the city uh, would kind of start to panic because these uh, these uh, murders took place at night. Uh, usually, they took place on at lovers' lanes or roads where uh, teenagers or young people would uh, go to make out um, and fornicate. For, well, maybe or maybe not fornicate. We don't know. I mean, you know, I'm I'm pro fornication myself, but there, some of our listeners may be anti fornication. Colonel was anti-fornication. Some of them just got to the foreign part, and then they caught a bullet. Yeah, they, yeah they didn't get very far in their uh, escapades. So anyway, um, so people freaked out. They were they were keeping their lights on 24 hours a day. Street uh, Police were patrolling the streets at all hours. Um, uh, gun shops were, uh, you know, running out of guns, running out of ammunition because people were buying them up because they were freaking out over these murders. And it only lasted two and a half months. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it stopped. So, and as, as I said, the murders remained unsolved to this day. Um, and the attack, the, it, 
the attack served partially as a basis for the 1976 motion picture, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And, you know, we talked last time about um, the Salem witch trials and how mass hysteria can really, um, you know, make people do some strange things. You know what else can make people do strange things? Hunger. Low blood sugar and hunger. (laughs) But in this case, uh, there was certainly reason to be concerned. And uh, Brandy's going to tell us about the murders. So the first attack happened on February 22nd of 1946 uh, to Jimmy Hollis and Mary Jean Larry. Um, It was a late Friday night, about 11.55, and Jimmy Hollis, uh, age 25, and his girlfriend, Mary Jean, Jean, Jean Ann, is it Jean Ann or Jean? Mary Jean, I think. Mary Jean. uh, She was 19. Uh, They were attacked while parked on a secluded road known as the Lover's Lane. They arrived, uh, the couple got there about 11.45, and after about 10 minutes of fornicating. We don't know. They're fornicators. They were not fornicators. They were fornicators. making out. A little French kissing, a little petting, heavy petting. A little something-something. A little something-something. They're fornicators. Uh, A man walked up to the driver's side door, flashed a flashlight in Hollis's face, and blinded him. Um, Hollis wasn't sure if it was a prank or if he'd been mistaken for somebody else, so he told the man, you know, you got me mixed up with somebody else. You got the wrong guy. Uh, the man at the door held held up a pistol and told him something like, you know, I don't want to kill you, fella. So what, um, so what do I say? And ordered them to get out of the car. Um, they both got out through the driver's side door, and the man told Hollis to take off his fucking britches. Take off those fucking britches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Snitches get britches. Yeah, they do. Uh, Mary Jean pleaded with Hollis to just take the pants off, which I'm sure they were halfway off anyway. We don't know that. <laughs> take them off, um, believing that if he did, he wouldn't be hurt. Yeah, see, if anyone ever tells you to take your pants off or your... Yeah, or your, nothing or, or they're going to come at yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not going to end well. Ain't nobody um, to seen deliverance. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Yeah. So Hollis took off his pants, but was struck twice in the head with a heavy blunt object. Mary Jean explained in an interview later that the noise was so loud she thought he'd been shot, but learned later it was the sound of his skull cracking. So he hits him with something blunt, mm-hmm. gun or a pipe or something. Mary Jean then picked up Hollis's pants, pulled out his wallet, and told the assailant he doesn't have any money, which is why they were on Lover's Lane and not at the movies. So <laughs> you know, he could have been at a drive-in or something. Whatever. She but, bastard. He didn't have any money. I I ran out of gas. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, so the assailant told her that she was lying and that she had a purse. So she assumed she was being robbed. Mary Jean told him she didn't have a purse, and he knocked her to the ground. Uh, She said it felt like she was being... He pimp slapped her. It looks that way. She was holding out on him, and he gave her the pimp. You don't hold out. No. Bitches be testifying. Yes. (laughs) So she said she felt like she'd been hit with an iron pipe, and <laughs> the assa- stop it. Uh, the assailant ordered her to get up, and when she did, he told her to run. As she ran toward Good a advice. ditch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as she ran towards a ditch, why? Uh, the assailant told her not to go that way, but to run up the road. So now he's Garmin. Now, <laughs> yes. now, now he's Magellan, giving directions <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Well, at least he's directing her. Give well, her some direction. So she. She stated that while she was running, she heard Hollis groaning and that the man continued to beat and stomp him. See, that's why you always travel in pairs, because when the other person is getting beat beat Mm -hmm. up, you can get away. Right. 
Now, this she was having trouble running in her high heels. Yeah. Why don't you ditch the heels? Why I read don't, that. Yeah. That's um, before all, all the horror movies were around. Oh, uh, maybe. But I, so, I, I, when I read that, I thought, well, why don't you just kick your shoes off and run? She's having trouble running in her high heels and, the, and when the assailant ran after her. She saw an older car parked further up the street facing their vehicle, and she quickly looked inside to see if anyone could help her, but after seeing no one, she began to run and was overtaken by the attacker. I think she didn't want to get a run in her hose. Mm-hmm. Well, the man asked her why she was running. He seems a bit confused. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, she told she told him she reminded him that he had <laughs> that he had told her to oh, run. Oh, you told me to run. And he told he called her a liar. <laughs> Lies. He called her out. Do you um, have do you have the memo? Do you yeah. have the email that I said, Ron? <laughs> yeah, so he catches up with her. He catches up with her, calls her a liar, knocks her to the ground, and then uh, sexually assaults her. Yeah, and that's not a good uh, that's kind of gross. Uh, Mary Jean stated he didn't rape her, but abused her terribly. Later reports indicated that the assailant sexually assaulted her with the barrel of his gun. She managed to get up and told the assailant, go ahead and kill me. She told the assailant, go ahead yeah, and, she go got ahead and kill defiant. me. According to her, she got defiant because she was like, I, well, you know, I don't want that again. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that to happen again. So just go ahead and take it. It was only out. like a 38. I don't know. Well, it wasn't like you had a forty-four. But we're not we're not joking about that. No, don't well, be I'm gross. Just saying. Don't be gross. You know what? Well, it's not like part. he had a you know she bazooka was, either. But still, it doesn't matter. He violated her. Those things she, are not supposed to go there. Well, if he was a responsible gun owner, he had it oiled up beforehand. Okay, you're done talking now. She uh, she told him to go ahead and kill her. Um, she ran. She took off running again. She ran a half mile, believing that she was being chased. Uh, she got to a residence where she screamed for help and banged on the front door. Thank you. A car passed. <laughs> no. Uh, a car passed and didn't stop when she called and ran after it. She ran to the back of the house and woke up the owners who then notified authorities. Bowie County Sheriff W.H. Bill Presley and three other officers arrived at the scene, but the attacker had already driven off. They found Hollis's pants 100 yards away from the attack. <laughs> Poor Hollis, he- Getting his ass kicked, and he's losing his pants. Well, I wonder if he got. No, 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 don't go there. Both victims, <laughs> both victims actually survived the attack. Mary Jean was taken to the hospital for minor cuts and received stitches for her head wounds, and then all the psychological help she was going to need later. And did the guy get his britches back? Hollis was hospitalized for three days, or for several days, with three skull fractures. Police did not How seem to believe the their boy story. Have? Police did not seem to believe their story and seemed convinced that the couple knew their assailant. Uh, Mary Jean described him as a man with a white mask over his head. I hate those things. With cut out places for his eyes and mouth. Yeah, the way I saw it described was like a burlap sack. Yeah, creepy. Yeah. Uh, Because Hollis was blinded by the flashlight before being beaten, he didn't notice a mask. Yeah, he just got his head beat in. Mm -hmm. He believed, Hollis believed he was a dark, a dark tanned white man. Mary Jean believed he was a light-skinned African-American because of the way he pronounced the curse words he growled. That's a little racist. They both agreed yeah. that he was about six foot tall. Uh, the second attack occurred about a month later on March 23rd, 1946. The victims were Richard Griffin, 29, and Polly Ann Moore, 17. Dirty, dirty. Yeah, so it's just to kind of clarify. So the police at this point, they don't they, they, don't, kind of, they don't believe that... Yeah, they don't that, believe that they were attacked by an unknown assailant. They like think they, they knew him. Like it was a uh, jealous boyfriend or yeah. somebody or something like that. Are they... Yeah, okay. Um, they found 
Their bodies were found on Sunday, March 24th of 1946. Yeah, how old was the guy and how old was the girl? 29 and 17. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of frowned upon now. Fornicating. Uh, both had been shot in the back of the head with a 32 revolver. Bloodstains on the ground indicated they'd been killed outside the car and then put back in it. That's a lot of trouble. Going that is a lot. That's weird and gross. It's um, a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Richard Griffith was found between the front seats on his knees with his head resting on his crossed hands, and his pockets were turned inside out. Miss Moore was found sprawled face down in the back seat. Really? Uh, Griffith had been shot twice while still in the car, and both had been shot once in the back of the head and were fully clothed. Moore's purse was beside her in the back seat and contained a photo of her that was used in the following morning's paper. The motorist contacted the city police, who, were then co- who then contacted Bowie County Sheriff Presley. According to a police report written by Arkansas State Trooper Max Tackett, that's an awesome name, one of the lead investigators of the Phantom case, Moore was killed on a blanket in front of the vehicle before being placed back inside. In a mix-up, Moore's body was picked up before an examination could determine if she'd been sexually assaulted. So there was some little sloppy police work there. The couple were last seen having dinner with Griffin's sister and her boyfriend at about 10 p.m. Saturday night in a nearby cafe. Sheriff Presley, leader of the investigation, was with his old friend, Texas City Police Jack and Runnels, when the call came in and they sped to the scene. They immediately launched a citywide investigation along with the Texas and Arkansas City Police, the so, Department of Public Safety, Miller and Cass County Sheriff's Departments, and the FBI. No money was found on Griffin nor was any found in Moore's purse. Family members claimed that they did not carry much money with them. And Monday morning, they called in Walker, Texas Rangers. Yes, they mm-hmm. called in the Texas Rangers, and then FBI got involved. It was a big deal. And now they're starting to take it seriously. Yes. Texas Rangers, yeah, but who knows if they've connected them or not. Let's see here. Texas Ranger Jimmy Greer arrived in Texarkana Monday night. Now, it should be said, too, that Texarkana is in both Arkansas and Texas. Yeah, I don't know how that works. And who Same way St. Ta- Louis does. Well, there's East St. Louis. Well, no, there's East St. Louis, Harrison, Illinois. Ohio, right where we at. Part of it's in Indiana, part of it's in Ohio. Yeah, yeah Tim. I just don't like it. By okay. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. He and the rest of the investigators combed for more clues on Tuesday. They concluded the only apparent motive was robbery. The investigators con- continued to work overtime on the crime. The papers were calling baffling. The lack of definite clues hampered their investigation. The bloody sand that was found seven steps in front of the car was sent to laboratories of the State Department of Public Safety in Austin, Texas, along with the blood-soaked clothing of the victims to determine if the blood belonged to one of the victims or a third party. By Thursday, March 28th, the investigators were growing weary after five consecutive days of questioning about 200 suspects. Yeah, they, they told... I mean, I mean, Texarkana is not that big of a town now. And, of course, this is more... Like you said, it's a, like a tri-state area. Yeah. But, you know, they start pulling everyone in and questioning everyone on this well, yeah. thing. Uh, they chased hundreds of over 100 false leads and tips and started going back over the meager clues. On Saturday night, April 13th, Betty Jo Booker, age 15, was playing her alto saxophone in her regular weekly gig with her band, I don't know what... The, she was at the VFW. It was Betty Jo and the Bookers, I believe. It wasn't. It was the... Ryth, she was a sax Rhythm Mayors. <laughs> the Rhythm Mayors. The Rhythm Mayors. Catchy name. Yeah. Mm. It Love was, their it music. Was, it was, she, was, she was the precursor to Booker T. Oh, okay. Her friend, Paul Martin, 
age 16, picked her up to give her a ride after Now, that's more age appropriate. It really is. Um, He had been with her earlier that day before the dance and was to take her to a slumber party across town. Booker's classmates said that earlier that day she told him she did not want to go, go out with Paul but felt obligated since he was an old friend. How old a friend could he be if he was 16? Right. Uh, Booker and Martin were killed early Sunday, April 14th. Paul Martin's body was found at about 6.30 a.m. by a local resident. Betty Jo Booker's body was not found until approximately 11.30 a.m., almost two miles away from Martin's body. Her body was lying on its back, fully clothed, with the right hand in the pocket of a buttoned overcoat. Booker had been shot twice, one through the le- once through the left fifth rib from the front and once through the left cheek by the nose. The weapon used was the same as in the first double murder, a 32 automatic Colt pistol. The reports in the following day's paper said the bodies were not abused, but later reports claimed that Booker had been raped. Yeah, it sounded like they might have not want to release that just for her. You know, well, we're modesty. About, and, yeah, this yeah. is 1940s. Keeping her so, yeah. reputation unsullied. Yeah, yeah. These were not fornicators. No, they were young kids. And it, it, so now we're up to four victims. I mean, well, six victims of four murders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin's 1946 Ford Club Coupe was found about a mile and a half away from Martin's body. It was parked with the keys still in the ignition. Authorities weren't sure who was shot first, but appeared both put up quite a struggle. Good for them. A lot of time and energy went into finding Betty Booker's saxophone. The police felt that the killer would try to sell it. Yeah, they they seemed to, like, really... They think that that was the key to solving this whole thing, that the killer... They, they picked... might not have been far off. I mean, it, was, it might have been worth some money. Maybe, but they, they, seem, they seem to get distracted by it. Well, it was to no avail. They never found it. Uh, over, or they didn't find it. They didn't find it right away. Right they away. Found it mm-hmm. later, yeah. Over six months later, on the morning of October 24th, P.V. Ward and J.F. McNaif, McNaif while, uh, while repairing a fence, discovered Booker's mix, missing saxophone still in its black leather case. It was located in the underbrush across Morris Lane about 140 steps east from where the body was found. The investigation continued at a feverish pace. So, just TV time out here. Mm -hmm. So, it was by the body in some underbrush. Yeah, it wasn't very Mm -hmm. far away. It was like 140 Well, then they didn't look very hard, did they? Well, but then there's some, there was speculation, though, that the killer may have come back and just got rid of it. Put it there. I, I don't see going back to the... No. I mean, you can dump a, a saxophone anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Uh, suspects were consistently brought in throughout the day by city police. Many friends of the victims, schoolmates, and others went to the Bowie County Sheriff's Office to lend information. The community became even more panicked. Police were getting hundreds of leads, but most of them went nowhere. Rewards were offered, which led to even more dead ends. Teenagers started to park on... Lover's Lanes in order in an effort to bait the killer because that's that what teenagers do. Or what? That would be stupid. And I know the police, you know, asked them not to do that. But yeah, teenagers would go out and park and try, in hopes of trying to catch the phantom killer. So the fourth the fourth attack occurred on May third, nineteen forty six, on Virgil and Katie Starks. And this one's a little bit different. Yeah, Virgil was thirty seven. And his wife, Kate, 36, owned a modest home about 10 miles outside of Texarkana. On Friday, May 3rd, sometime before 9 p.m., Virgil turned on his favorite weekly radio show, and his wife, Katie, 
gave him uh, a heating pad for his sore back. You ever use a heating pad, Colonel? Colonel used a heating pad <clears throat> all the time, Timmy. For your your back or for when my when I get a grab and my gleep, my rheumatism flare up. Yeah, I use a heating pad. Okay, I got some uh, liniment I put uh, on it too. Do you? Um, I, bet yeah. you I bet that smells good. You know what I if, if I had some liniment right now, you know what I'd do? Eat. I'd eat it because I didn't have no damn lunch. If you had an assistant, they would bring you some liniment. If I had an assistant, you know what? If I had a makeup person, I could just say, "Hey, could you run to the vending machine for me?" Yeah. But right now, I'm on a podcast. I'm what was shooting live. You're I hungry. Can't leave. I'm hungry. Brandy won't stop talking. I'm wrapping stuff around my belly here, so you don't hear a growl. Continue. But, uh, continue with the murder. Continue murders. on, devil. It's a fascinating narrative you're giving us here. It is quite a. It, the, I mean, these murders are creepy. When you they really it. are. There's some creepy ass stuff here. Yeah, and, and you know, if this it's happened creepy. in a big city, it would be creepy. But happening in a small town where everyone knows each other. Yeah. So Virgil was hanging out in uh, in his armchair in the sitting room, which was just off the kitchen in the bedroom. Uh, Katie was in her bedroom lying in bed in her nightgown when she heard something from the backyard and asked Virgil to turn down the radio. Seconds later, while Virgil was reading the May 3rd edition of the Texarkana Gazette, two shots were fired in the back of his head from a closed double window. Katie didn't hear the shots. No, she could hear every other noise. And, you know, if the man was up in the middle of the night just clicking the remote on the TV. He was on the radio. Turn that down, Henry, turn that down. I'm trying to sleep. Virgil the, was his name. But the cranky-ass woman didn't hear the gunshots. So she heard, she did hear what sounded like the breaking of glass. She thought Virgil had dropped something and went to see what happened, and as she entered the doorway to the living room, she saw Virgil stand up and then suddenly slump back in his chair. She saw blood, then ran to him and lifted up his head. When she realized he was dead, she ran to the phone to call police. She she rang the wall crank phone two times before being shot twice in the face from the same window. Uh, one bullet entered her right cheek and exited through her left ear. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why the hell didn't she just run out the house? Well, she didn't know where up, it came she's from. Trying to get Sarah on the phone. Stop it! <laughs> it wasn't a good decision. You're right. No. You're right. That's when the old people phones. watch any monster movies. They don't. Maybe not back then. Or let me just cool. take a. Somebody just shot my husband in the head through the window two times. Let me just take around because I'm sure they're bolting off down. Well, the why road. didn't she just snap a picture with her phone? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, you, you, it's hard to tell. I mean, I mean you know, you, you, you're panicking. You don't know what to do. You first. No, that's a doll one award right there, Timmy. That's Darwinism at work. You're gonna hang around. No, I she, mean, she, and she's a badass. So she, she in the killing zone. Yeah. She in the killing zone, and then she just said, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna make a phone call." Uh, at, yeah, I'm sure she was ordering a pizza. How your cousin doing? Yeah, uh, could you could you, well, could you ring the sheriff? To the sheriff? Well, yeah. that's what I, I mean. I'm sure Virgil been shot okay. was head twice. Why don't yeah. you let me finish this? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so the one bullet entered her right cheek and exited behind her left ear. So that I, went. I'm sure she regrets that decision, Colonel. Right. Uh, the other went in her lower jaw, just between the lip, breaking it and splintering out several teeth before lodging under her tongue. So this guy is shooting from outside the home, right through yeah, the window. Yeah. She dropped to her knees but managed to get to her feet. She ran to get the pistol from the living room. See, which she didn't ass. do that anyway. She should have done that first, but she was blinded by her own blood. 
She heard the killer tearing loose the rusted screen wire on the back porch. Oh, that's got to be creepy. Yeah. Miss Stark thought she was going to be killed, so she stumbled toward her bedroom near the front of the house to leave a note. What? For what who? <laughs> I, I have to question. She might be a badass, but I really have to question what's going on here. We're going to leave a note? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, okay. Yeah, why don't she just get a typewriter out and... Meanwhile, oh, give me a minute, Mr. Murderer. I got. I, I just trying to leave a note. I want to knit. Niece. I want to knit a sweater. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Meanwhile, I the killer. I got in. The killer ran to the back of the house and was making his way up the steps into the side screen porch through the back screen door. Okay. So she. I'm he, having a hard time visualizing this. No, house. he's he's coming in one one one. And she's headed the other way. Yeah, so she runs up. It's back. about time she, she headed the fuck up away from the killer. Yeah. So she heard the killer coming through the kitchen window, so she turned and ran the other way outside the house, leaving a trail of blood. Barefoot and still in her nightgown, which was soaked in her blood, she ran across the street to her sister and brother-in-law's house. Since no one was home, she ran 50 yards more to A.V. Prater's house. Prater answered her call for help. She gasped, Virgil's dead, then collapsed. Prater shot a rifle in the air to summon another neighbor. That's how you get some shit. That's how you get a posse together right there. That is how you get arrested, falsely arrested for murder when you do well, shit like that. So there's that too, but that's how you get a posse together. You send up a well, shot. Well, first of all, there have already been about four shots. Yeah, I know. No. Why wasn't the neighbor summoning in? Yeah, but in? you it's know like, what, though? Oh, that was, no, that was a 32, honey. That don't mean anything. It reminds me that of a, the nights nice that the lights went out with Georgia, where the guy fires a shot just yeah. to flag him down. Yeah. He ends up getting arrested. Look. Just saying. Vicki Lawrence... I'm just saying. Fire the shot, just to flag him down. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm and familiar then a with the big song. belly sheriff. He grabbed his gun. Said, "Why'd you do it?" Yeah. Okay. So, but you guys, I mean, this is country. I mean, it's I know, I know. Not. I'm just saying. There's already been four shots. I know. But you know. But she survived. Thank uh, God. There were three clues oh, found at the scene. The Glory first game. was the caliber of bullets. The second was a flashlight found in the hedge underneath the window that the Star- that Stark was shot from. Yeah, they had. They, if you go online, you can see the flashlight. You can. The last clue was a bl- was of bloody prints around the house, shoe prints on the kitchen floor, and smudged fingerprints in other places. Sheriff da- Davis stated that although this murder could not be directly linked to the Phantom because the caliber was a twenty-two, it was possible that the killer was one and the same man. I have questions about this one, only because the M.O. is completely different. Yeah. I mean, he shot him from outside their house. They wasn't alone in park with right. kids. He didn't sexually assault no one. I have questions about this one, but, you know, yeah. it may it may, it may not be related. doesn't matter. She's still badass. I she is badass. A, I think it was a crime of opportunity. I may have been, maybe even this murder attempted suicide. Yeah, but you know what? That's like, you know, the Night Stalker, which we haven't talked about, but... I mean, his was just random. Yeah, wherever you... Yeah. So And, and I think sometimes they're random just to they're throw They're scarier. Off. Yeah, they're just throwing off. They're, right. they're Mexican, you know, they're uh, just doing well, some Well, it could be, too. Uh, throw off the I mean, 30s. when you think about it, he's shot four people now with the, uh, with the uh, 32. Mm-hmm. All this going on in town, he don't want to be the guy walking into the hunting store saying, give me some 32 rounds. I need yeah. Some, yeah, I need some rounds. We'll get in some theories later where that might come into <clears throat> the, um, the caliber of the gun comes into play. But After the first double murder, parents were warning their children about being out late. The second double murder shocked the city and curfews were set for businesses. The height of the town's hysteria snowballed after the murder of Virgil Man, Starks. Man, can you imagine? And living in a small town, you've got... 
eight people attacked, five are dead within you yeah. know, six weeks. The Texarkana Gazette stated on Monday, or I'm sorry, Sunday, May 5th, that the killer might strike again at any moment, at any place, well, at that, anyone. That's a little hyperbole for the newspaper. Well, I mean, that's almost encouraging. Because he almost always did it at night. So it really wouldn't be any place, any time. Uh, I mean, he was switching up his M.O. Yeah, but it was always at night. Yeah, so far. Because those white masks that you wear over your head, they're not nearly as scary in the daytime. No, they're pretty scary. So before, in, if any of you ever lived in the country or whatever, you left your doors unlocked and whatever, but residents started locking their doors, pulling down shades, blocking windows, and arming themselves. All right, good plan. Some people would nail sheets over their windows or nail the windows down. Some used screen door braces as window guards. Yeah, I think where people kept their lights on during the day so they could see shadows. The yeah. people the old town's on edge. The day after the Starks' death, several residents bought firearms and locks, sold, stores sold out of locks, locks, guns, ammunition, window shades, and Venetian blinds. Mouse traps. Other items that sold well included window sash locks, screen door hooks, night latches, and other perfe- protective devices. Screen door hooks, because you don't get through one of those. No. So the hardware, no, hardware salesman had a motive. I'll tell you what, what, what we did when, when yeah. I was a kid now, and this would have been the foolproof plan. Mm-hmm. And, and I, this true story. Now, even though the colonel a man of means and, you know, fame and wealth and luxury, Obviously. I came from very humble beginnings. But you're a kept man now. Very, very humble beginnings. And uh, we lived in a very, very poor part She's of town. She's about your dead mother. no. no. I lived in a very poor part of town. My mama was trying to raise three children by herself. And uh, we lived in a housing project. I'm mm-hmm. not ashamed of it. And of course, You live in a hood. We couldn't. Yeah, we did. We, did. we could not afford a fancy alarm system. And it's a true story. We had mini blinds, the old aluminum mini blinds. Mm-hmm. And what we would do was at night you would take about five soda cans or Pabst Blue Ribbon cans or Strohs or whatever, mm-hmm. and you set them on a window ledge, and that way when somebody tried to come in the window, when they moved the Venetian blinds, that's what we used to call them, not many blinds, Venetian blinds. Because you're European that way. Yeah. We was we, we still had class. We weren't... We weren't right, right. You weren't animals. They we, weren't animals. We weren't animals. We weren't gauche, for God's sake. Sorry, Colonel. I would... Never. When you hit the Venetian blinds, it would knock the cans off, and of course nobody could afford no tile, so you had tile or carpet, so you had tile floors. So when somebody tried to sneak into your house, it knocked all the beer cans onto the floor. Oh, and also doubled as a doorbell. (laughs) That was the Colonel's alarm system. That's that's a true story. That I ain't making that up. (laughs) I don't think we we wouldn't uh, think you would make anything like that up. Because it sure wasn't funny. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. And what, the reason I said mousetrap is it's that occasionally sad. you would put mousetraps, you yeah. know, you'd load mousetraps up on the windowsill too. That way if somebody reached for something, the things would snap and pop off. And it was a tough well, life. What if too. they come through the door? You got everyone coming well, you through your window. you lock the damn door. People in the summertime. Don't you lock your you windows? Had, you Timmy, had a latch. We didn't have no air conditioning, Timmy. In the summertime, it was hot. You had to leave oh, the damn windows open. I'm sorry. I forgot. It was like raising in the sun. Go ahead, Brandy. <laughs> so throughout the investigation of the Phantom Killers, almost 400 suspects were arrested and eventually released. They were just they just pulled in everyone. Yeah, they were. They were. They were. They, they, and a lot of the leads they were they put in a they put out a. 
an award, you know, reward, and um, it kept they kept adding to it, and that kind of caused a problem because they were bringing more and more people in with false leads, right? And it was, you know, there was. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Run in the circles. So the victims of the first attack, Jimmy Hollis and Mary Jean Leary, Leary, uh, were the only victims to actually give a description of their attacker. Again, they described him as being six foot tall with a white mask over his face with the holes cut out for his eyes and his mouth. Yeah, one of them, one, the guy said he was a light or a tan white guy. She said he's a black guy. Do you want to do this? I'm just saying that there's no good description of the guy. No, there's not. They can't decide if he's white or black or whatever. Right. So, um, Katie Starks said she never saw her assailant. Because she had blood in her eyes. <laughs> she had blood everywhere. And she, yeah. how, how does she even give a statement? This is what I... You can shoot a woman in the mouth and she's still tall. I mean, you, you can't shut some no, women up even if you shoot them in the mouth. I don't know. It was it, it, she. She went through a pretty traumatic experience. Since Hollis and Larry were the only survivors to give a description, it cannot be known if the killer wore a mask during the other attacks. The modus operandi established for the killer was that he attacked young couples in lonely or private areas just outside city limits using a gun, uh, using a thirty-two caliber gun. Uh, even though the caliber used at the Starks murder was a twenty-two, it was first believed by the majority of lawmen that was that it was used by the Phantom. Well, I guess part of it is such a small town, and and they probably don't have a lot of crime. So when when there's any type of murder, right. and they're all you know in, in that area, it's probably feel that it's connected. They probably and if you look connected. at the at, at the uh, geography of the place, you'd be saying it's a small town. Now the colonel in his research probably on spread this, out. Um, no, it's very condensed. Did you go on Google Maps? It's rural. Huh? Did you go on Google Maps? You can actually Street Google view. Map it right now and see where the murder sites were. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get on the internet, get the GPS coordinates, put them in Google, and you can see sites of where it's just a field and not much. Yeah, they actually, uh, I know a few years ago, they <clears throat> on Halloween, they played the movie, The Town That Dreaded they, Sundown. They do every year. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Well, that's creepy. Sucky. Yeah. Um, they're be, they're always, doing a remake of the town of Dreaded Sun. Oh, are they? Yeah. Good. He always attacked on the weekend. 
and he usually attacked three weeks apart, and it was always late at night. I bet he was a mailman, because he probably worked nine to five. Nothing but business. No, nothing but business from nine to five, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to make a living. Uh, in the Hollis and Larry case, there were no suspects apprehended. <clears throat> uh, in the Griffin and Moore case, over 200 people were questioned, and about the same number of false tips and leads were checked. Three suspects were taken into custody for bloody clothing, two of which were released, at, were released after officers received satisfying explanations. Why do you have bloody clothes? I mean, I mean, I guess if they're hunting or, yeah, I mean, you know, People whatever. had axes in their house all the time. Remember, people had axes. When you have axes, you're going to have axe, axe dents. Yeah, and I guess. And you have blood. That was I bad. Guess. I guess. I'm just saying that... That was it, a play on words. I'm just saying that it seems like, you know, to have bloody clothing around, you know... You, you you reek of suspicion to me. Uh, the remaining suspect was held in Vernon, Texas for further investigation, but was later freed of suspicion. In the Martin and Booker case, a taxi driver quickly became the main suspect because the cab had been seen in the vicinity of the crime scene that morning. But the driver was soon washed out as, as the investigations continued. And I bet he was a foreigner. Was this an Uber no. driver? No, not an Uber driver. Say that. I bet it was small town. You always suspect mm. the foreigner. Oh yeah, he's probably yeah. French. You can't trust oh, a Frenchman. And he has a little beret. But you know yeah. what? Frenchmen never shoot. I don't think. I if don't. it would have been a Frenchman, you know what? He'd have pulled that gun and said, "I surrender," and ran away. Hey, you hit him with a sword. Yeah, you know that French went through hell of World War One. They just surrendered in World War Two. They passed on that one. It's not my fault. <laughs> They were a little tired. Um, friends, acquaintances, and several, and several suspects were questioned in three rooms of the Bowie County, Bowie County building by officers who worked in 24-hour relays. Suspects were brought in from within a 100-mile radius, both male and female, and white and black. Officers received a lead from Jerry Atkins, Booker's band leader, who stated that Betty had a saxophone with her. Since no saxophone was found, officers hoped it would lead them to a suspect. Yeah, they were hung up on that saxophone. Here's the thing I, I want. I, I don't, yeah, never mind. Go ahead, go on. So are you telling me that my hero, Clarence Clemens, could have been the murderer? Yes. No, because Clarence was six foot four. Okay. On Saturday, April 24th, a man was arrested in Corpus Christi for trying to sell a saxophone to a music store. Uh, on Thursday, April 25th, since we're not going chronologically, uh, on Thursday, April 25th, the 30-year-old... What? Nothing. Continue. 30-year-old man walked into a music store without an instrument and asked the salesperson if they wanted to buy an Alto Bundy saxophone, like Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Do you find that out was the same coincidence? I think, I think not. Okay. So what happened when he went in? Uh, the girl it? said she would, he would need to speak to her manager. And the man replied, what do you have to talk to him about for? You work here, don't you? Well, he had a good question. That's a good question. The girl claimed the man seemed nervous. Once he the manager might, was he should summoned, have took it to Pawn Stars. Well, he should have. Once the manager was summoned, the man fled, and the store contacted police. The man was arrested two days later at a waterfront hotel after purchasing a forty-five revolver from a pawn shop. On Tuesday, April 30th, the sales girl identified him in the same, as the same man who tried selling the saxophone. Although no saxophone was found in his possession, the man, f- the police found a bag of bloody clothing in his hotel room. Okay, so that's pretty suspicious. He's selling a selling a saxophone similar to the kind that, that uh, Betty is it was it Betty Booker yeah had, and he seems a little nervous, a little apprehensive. St- runs out of the store when the clerk goes to get her manager, and he's got bloody clothes in his 
in his hotel. The guy claimed that the blood was from a cut he received on his forehead in a bar fight. After questioning, the man was released as his story checked out. In the Starks case, there were several people who were found in the vicinity of the house of the home who stopped who were stopped and questioned. Twelve were detained, but nine were soon released. The other three were kept for further questioning. Eventually all detainees were released. Yeah, so they're running to dead ends, but we do have some suspects. Well, we right have there. some suspects, and, and it comes from uh, Max Hawk Tackett. Because anybody Max named Tackett. Max Tackett had is that to be not a, a badass name? Yeah. It is. He was a he was the lead investigator, <clears throat> one of the lead investigators. They had some pretty famous what? people. They had some of the Texas. We talked about Texas Walker. Right? Yeah, Texas Ranger. Right. Right. Walker. Chuck Norris was there. No. He, Chuck Norris was there. Yeah, he'd have he found him actually if he had been so. Um, now, at this time, Max Tackett is a 33-year-old rookie police officer. Mm-hmm. And he realized that this car had been stolen on the night of the murders. And a previously stolen car had been found abandoned. Okay. So somebody did a swap out on stolen cars okay. on the night of the murders. Okay. So Tackett <clears throat> found a car that had been reported stolen in a parking lot. He staked out the car until someone came for it. So he kind of, he, he's make, trying to make connection between the stolen car and the murder. Yeah. Okay. So someone so, came for it. 21-year-old woman. Mm, woman. Yeah. Tackett, uh, he wrestled her to the ground. Well, I'm sure um, she needed that. Slapped her around a little bit. Tasered her. Obviously. Um, put this those, is in Arkansas, not in Ferguson, right? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is where it starts. All right. Uh, put those little zip tie things All right. Come on. Go on. Um, anyway. And said, who the hell are you, woman? So she said who she was, and she said her husband had stolen the car, and he was in Texas trying to see it sell another stolen car. He's a busy he was man. a serial car thief. A serial stealer. Yeah, so Tackett, uh, Tackett's going to find this guy. So anyway, there's a... Homer Carter, the chief of police of Atlanta, told Hackett that a man tried selling a stolen car to one of his citizens. So Tackett finds the citizen and says, hey, would you recognize the guy? The guy said, no, I'd never recognize him. Tackett looks at the guy, realizes that he has a, he looks like Yosemite Sam, got these big cowboy hats and boots and stuff on, say, you know what? You wouldn't recognize him, but he would recognize you. Think about that. Okay, so the, guy, the witness would not recognize the, 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 the car thief. Right, but he thought if he took the witnesses around town, to the that, car, and right. he's dressed in his his mm-hmm. his because Max is a smart guy in police uniform, that that would somehow they would the, the killer would, would see rattle, him. It would make the guy show himself. Yeah, he would be rattled. Yeah, so which is exactly what they did. Um, on a Saturday, Tackett walks around. He gets to this uh, bus station, mm-hmm. and he sees a man run out. The, and he's with the guy Yosemite Sam. And he sees a guy run out the back of the building. Tackett, it worked. It worked. Tackett chased him, tackled him, um, caught him on fire, and then... Oh, no, uh, he didn't catch him on fire. But I, he, I'm sorry. He caught him on a fire escape. Okay. Right? So let, let, let me... Just so, so I get this straight There right. it is. So he's, he, his, his theory caught was... Caught him on fire. That would have been a better The The assailant, the car thief, <clears throat> wouldn't realize that the witness... Couldn't identify him, and he see him right. with a cop. He would freak out, take off running, which is exactly what this guy did. Am, am, is my blood sugar so low? I'm not explaining this. Well. No, I'm just, yes. I'm just, okay. I'm just, uh, you know, wrap. I'm just 
re-emphasizing it. Okay, it's Mel- important. Oh, thank you, Melody. Um, <laughs> and no one knows what that means. <laughs> I do, though, well, and it's funny. You know, he, Timmy's singing his song. That's his little melody he's singing to me. So anyway, this man that had been caught on fire, on the fire escape. Fire escape. Uh, Yoel Sweeney. He wouldn't talk, but his wife Peggy confessed in great detail. That she it confessed. Was the she ratted food. him out. Oh, she squealed like a stuck pig. And they were honeymooners. They what's were honeymooners. Well, the honeymoon was over then. Yeah. Snitches get Now, bridges. by law in 1946, Peggy could not be made to testify against her husband. Okay. And because she was considered was unreliable house. at best, yeah. Yo wasn't arrested for murder. But you he know was. what? I don't like his name, Yo. That's Yo. a stupid name. Come here, Yo. And then Y-O-U-E-L-O. like five people come. Yeah. It, come indicates, here, y'all. it indicates a lack of imagination on his parents' part. <clears throat> I believe it does. But he got sent to prison for being a habitual offender for caught that. Now there's a lot of circumstantial evidence against Sweeney here. The car that Peggy uh Sweeney was arrested for, um, it was the one reported stolen the night of the Griffin Moore murders. Okay. Now when Tackett caught Sweeney on the fire escape. Sweeney said, please don't shoot me. Tackett said, well, I ain't going to shoot you for stealing no cars. Sweeney then said, and I keep calling him Sweeney. It's Sweeney, but mm-hmm. I like Sweeney better. That's all right. Just call me y'all. Because, no, you know, Sweeney is an like Irish Brenner. name. And, all right, go ahead. Um, Anyway, so he said, Mr. Don't Play, this is what Sweeney says, yo. Mr. Don't Play Games with me. You want me for more than stealing cars. yeah. So he he was he, he was, was confessing a, before he even knew. Yeah. So when now when Yoel <clears throat> is Yoel Gibbons um, eating the pine cones, he was named after him. Okay, go ahead. Um, when Yoel was in the police car, he asked Tillman Johnson, Mister Johnson, he's not a policeman. Mister Johnson, what do you think that they'll do for this? Will they give me the chair? Johnson said. You won't get much, maybe five, ten years. You don't get the chair for stealing cars, fool. Yeah, he was just, you know. Swinney then said to Johnson, Mr. Johnson, you got me for more than stealing cars. We both know this. He just wants him to, he just wants to be pegged for this. Yeah, Yeah. he shouldn't be blaming his wife for running her mouth. He's running his mouth, too. And then when the lawyer told Peggy that her husband was being held for murder, she said, because they did charge him with it. They were Mm -hmm. holding him for murder, but Mm -hmm. they had no real proof, so they had to... Just shoot, get him with the car thefts. So they tell Peggy, you know, your husband being held for murder here, and she said, "Oh my goodness, how did they find out?" <laughs> I think I think that she helped them find out. Yeah, she was the brightest. Uh, no, these bald. weren't these were not sharp people. Um, even the hood is unimaginative. Yeah, you know, I mean, you cut a burlap sack and cut two holes in it. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Although there's some days we do podcasts where without a makeup artist. Oh my gosh. Anyway, but now here's another thing. Peggy's family and Yule's brother-in-law, they mm. believed he was a phantom. They thought he was. Now police found a khaki work shirt in Yule's room with the laundry mark of the word Stark, the, which the, was the read under a black light. Yeah, which was the family, you know, which was the right. black victims. The yeah. Sex. And in the front pocket of the work shirt, a slag was found. Slag. You know what slag is, don't you? Yeah, it's like uh, coal or it's a a mineral. Yeah, and it matched samples found in Virgil Stark's welding shop. 
Also, Yol owned a 32 Colt automatic, but had previously sold it at a crap game. So it's a crap we got game. It, yeah. And while being accused of murder, Yol, he remained silent instead of pleading his innocence. Although he pled his guiltiness when the police arrested him. Several times. Him. Yeah, but then when they, they was like, oh, I ain't saying a word. You and the coppers never take me alive. So anyway, but they did take him alive. They caught him on fire, but... Clearly. Um, they didn't catch him on fire, but he he did get, he did get put away. Well, he got put away, and Peggy confessed to her husband's actions, revealing very detailed information, including things the officers already knew and other things that they didn't. So even information that wasn't available to the general public, she knew. Yeah, now there's some complications to this whole mess, though. Okay, give us the counter-argument. Well, I'm going to give you the counter-argument. His fingerprints didn't match any of the prints at the Booker Martin scene. I don't think that's important. I think fingerprinting was still not an exact science back in the day. But go ahead. Maybe he wore gloves. Who knows? Peggy's went, Peggy, his wife, she repudiated her confession. Repudiated. Which, which mm-hmm. that doesn't mean anything. Why would you say it in the first place? Well, that's place? true. Unless you're just mad at your husband, maybe. You know, he, he denied being the Phantom and never made a confession. Texas Rangers and Sheriff Bill Presley, they, they weren't really convinced he was a phantom. Officers, including uh, Bowie County Sheriff, Sheriff uh, Presley and Miller County Sheriff Davis, Texas City Chief of Police Reynolds, their officers and all these people that worked day and nights trying to validate Peggy Swinney's story of her whereabouts. What they figured out, what basically you had all these officers trying to figure out where in the hell Peggy was on the nights of these murders. They deduced that Peggy was not telling the truth and that on the night of the murder of Booker and Martin, the couple was sleeping in the car under a bridge near San Antonio. There we go, under so, a bridge. So yeah. they were miles and miles away. San Antonio is a long way from Texarkana. It is. And, and unknown as either a sick prank or a true confession, an anonymous woman contacted her family members of one of the victims, one in 1999 and another in 2000, apologizing for what her father had done. Yeah, I don't put much credence. Yo, Sweeney never did have any kids. Yeah, I don't put much credence in that. That could be anyone listening to a podcast or reading Wikipedia about this story. Now, there's some other suspects. There's some other suspects in here, and this is the one I don't like. And I don't like him for one good reason. And his name was Henry Booker Duty Tennyson. Duty. Duty. That's his nickname, Duty. How you get the name? D-O-O-D-I. Duty. Well, now, how do you get the nickname Duty is what I want to know. Yeah, well, I think you can guess. Yeah. So, um... They died like that in high school. They found him dead in his bed in Fayette, mm. Arkansas. Okay. And there was a note there, and it said, The opening to my box will be found in the following few lines. In a tube of, and a tube of paper is found, rolls on colors, and is dry on sa- and sound. So he's a he's, he's a he's a murdering poet. The head removes, the tail will turn, and inside the sheet you yearn. Oh jeez. I don't like all that. It's like the Joker. Yeah. Two these means a lot when they're together. These clues should lead you to it. See, he wasn't even very good. Then the note was found inside a B and B fountain pen. Poison was not was found on the cap. 
So he he, he had a note leading him to another note. Right. Okay. Now well, it was a treasure the note hunt. inside the pen contained it's clues treasure, huh? to the combination of his lockbox. This is like Memento, that movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Um, yeah, now, but it's like a scavenger hunt. You think it would be get, get not in the mood for playing games? The police just broke the damn lock on the Good box. There we go. And uh, inside was a Viewmaster. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Several rolls of film, uh, Mexico, and a stack of papers. Under the stack of papers was a note confessing to the Texarkana killings. The note read, Timmy, give me some drama here. I'm sorry, Colonel. I'm feeling a little under the weather. The note read, Oh, that's what you want. I thought you wanted me to read it. I don't have it. The note read, This is my last word to you fine people, and y'all fine. I want to thank you for all the trouble that you've gone to to send me to college and bring me up. You have really been wonderful. My thanks to Ella Lee, Miss McGee, the owner of the house he was rooming in, for letting me stay with her during my college career, and to Belva Jill, Miss McGee's 12-year-old daughter, for putting up with me the way she did. She had to, she had to, I know, but I fell in love with her about a week ago. If she was older, I would have asked her to marry me, but that would be impossible. Because it's skeevy. Why did I take my own life? Well, when you committed two double murders, you would too. Yes, I did kill Betty Joe Booker and Paul Martin in the city park that night. And killed Miss Starks and tried to get Mrs. Starks. You wouldn't have guessed it. I did it when Mother was either us. Either out. Ah, there it is. Oh, he's, he's living there in a basement. There it is. <clears throat> yeah. He's living in a basement. Oh, at least. In his mom's basement. Yeah. And he capitalized mother. Mm-hmm. That's, oh. a, that's a psychological clue. So I did it when mother was out. And I think by out, uh, my guess is mother was probably a prostitute. Anyway, or asleep. <laughs> you know, no. Or asleep. Yeah. <laughs> or both. And no one saw me do it. <clears throat> For the guns, I disassembled them, discarded them in different places. When I am found, which has already been done, please give this typewriter to Craig. Craig. That's his older brother. You know what? Hell with you. Craig ain't getting the typewriter. Craig and Jed. (laughs) Yeah. And tell him that I hope his child is a boy. It will help him in his work. Everything can go wherever you think it will do best, except for the Viewmaster, which should go to Belva Joe. Please take my bankroll and give it to Daddy. I think it should go to him and tell him I don't want the car now. Because I killed myself. Yeah, he didn't need the car. You don't really need it yeah. at that point. Seems to me like he would have just taken it. Once you kill he's somebody, very, don't you just think yeah. he's taking the car? He's pretty wordy, actually. He is kind of wordy for very a kid. wordy. Well, like, goodbye, everybody. Points. All we need is goodbye, bullet. cruel world. All we need is bullet points. Yeah. Right. Goodbye, everybody. See you sometime if I make the grade, which will be hard for me to make. Now, that's what duty said. You know what? I don't, I don't buy it. Duty. No. No, no. That's... Now... He'd, met, he'd written many, many rough drafts of this thing with a pencil and paper before he typed it out. He even created his own newspaper headlines mentioning his body being found. One read, UA student found dead. Another, UA student commits suicide. Oh, he was helping uh, He made a sign that read, Giver. Do not disturb, death in the making. I mean, so he had a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> yeah, That's I think one he, word for it. he was attention seeking, I think. He wrote his own epitaph. He lies H.B. Tennyson, born February, blah, blah, blah. He committed suicide for the happiness of his family. 
Well, May he rest that might, in that peace. That part might be true. Amen. Amen. Officers found a bunch more notes. Um, they had no idea in which order he wrote them. And uh, so now fingerprints were taken from him to see if any match could be made on the unclassified prints taken at the scene of the Booker Martin murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miss Bessie Brown, Booker's mother, visited Tennyson's mother to offer sympathy and told her she felt that Tennyson was just batshit crazy, had nothing to do with her yeah. daughter's death. I think that's probably the case. And then they found another confusing note, which contradicted his other notes, but we're unsure when it was written. So they didn't know what order these were written in. Yeah, he's just... Um, and it says... He's quite the writer. Our please disregard all of the messages which Stretch I have that. written. Duty was... They're only thoughts the, which uh, I was thinking about as a possible reason. You know why they called him Duty? Because he was a shit for brains, was what this boy was. I think that's... He's a shitty statement. writer, that's yeah. for sure. As I think about it, this is still the note, as I think about it, it is none of these things. They yeah. are not the reasons for this incident. There's a much later point to it all. Happiness. Yes, happiness. Well, if I am out of the way, my family can get down to their own lives. Mother will not have to worry about me walking in with her in her when she's with her Johns and drinking <laughs> her ripple. He did not say that. You're, <laughs> okay. you're embellishing, Colonel. I might be embellishing a He's little bit there. Paraphrasing. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading between the lines All here, right, Timmy. Well, well, so, do they think this guy was the dude or not? Um. Well, no. Okay. Um, he didn't know anything about guns. He didn't know how to take care of guns. He didn't have access to guns. Um, he didn't even know how to drive, did he? Did I remember reading that? He yeah, was, he didn't know how to drive, so he did, had to take an Uber cab with the. No, I think cab. he learned to drive in like 1947. So yeah, he was also six foot three inches tall and weighed 130 pounds. Well, that's. Hmm. No, they described him as six foot tall, stockily built. Now, yeah. unless he was, you know... Yeah, but when you're getting your head pounded in and getting raped with a <clears throat> rifle, you can, sometimes that, you know... Eyewitnesses' accounts are usually not very reliable. They didn't get raped with a rifle. It was a handgun they got raped well, with. whatever. I mean, the, the, no, the eyewitness... No, whatever. There's a big difference between a muzzle <laughs> I mean, and a I'm just saying that eyewitness, uh, eyewitness accounts are, are generally yeah. not considered all that reliable. Now, here's another suspect. And this guy, you... I don't even know why he was a suspect. He was a German prisoner of war. Yeah, I don't like this one either. No, they should have killed him. I mean, why didn't they just kill him in the war? Well, wait, they don't even know if he was real. Yeah. So what happened, this was during the war, of course. This is where right after World War yeah. II. There were still some German prisoner of wars in in the U.S. Yeah. And, and the the you know, again, the, the, you talk about the panic and everything. And, you know, having just gone through the Second World War, the fear was this German POW was on the loose mm-hmm. and he was doing all these dastardly deeds. That's right. But it turned out, you know what? He wasn't it either. We didn't even exist, did he? Well, they don't... He, there was a guy that existed, but all the things they talked about that he did, there wasn't a guy there at the time. Right. So there wasn't, there wasn't convincing evidence that he was... Yeah, we're near, near there. And then there was a guy who's in the air force, a B twenty four machine gunner, uh, Ralph well, Ballman. Yeah, this is a, this is a strange one. He was a, a, in a coma. Um, he might have been. A I fan. just love it when we talk about people in comas. Yeah, <laughs> he. Uh, so he's in a coma. Yeah, he says I've been in a coma, running from something, maybe murder. I want to clear it up. If I didn't kill five people in Texarkana, 
I want to settle down and be a stuntman in Hollywood. Well, I'm happy. If, you know, you, you, weigh, you weigh your options, yeah. right? Either being a stuntman Some or man. serial killer. Yeah, well, so he'd gone to the Los Angeles Examiner, told the reporter, and he said, I want to sell you some more murder information. I know who and where the Texarkana killer is. And he's in L.A., right? Yeah, Los Angeles. Give me $5 and let me have an hour's head start. And I'll tell you right now... I would ask for 90 minutes head start. You know what I'd ask for? What? A goddamn sandwich because I ain't had none to eat all day because you told me I was going to get one. You didn't bring me one. I'm sorry. Did the the reporter give him five bucks? Or a sandwich? Uh, Yeah, he gave him $5 and called the police on him. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, all right. Called the police. Called the police on his head. Now, see, that's just... that's, That's... Aren't they supposed to protect their informants? That's unethical. Unethical behavior. I mean, once you give, once you exchange that five dollars, there is there is confidentiality of the the lawyer. Well, I, patient I don't think you com- should be. I don't think lawyer patient sh- confidentiality. No, that's not it at all. And lawyer I don't think you sh- I don't think you should be. I don't think that journalists pay for information. So, well, okay, that but, was unethical to begin with. But anyway, so the, the, the point is, catch up with him. Yeah, they get him. Um, and he uh, turns out that he had. Uh, they arrested him in a, in a downtown shooting gallery where he had just shot his 23rd bullseye in a row with a 22 rifle. Okay, and this guy's like, well, I'm, the police said, why do you think you're a suspect? He said, I'm, a, I'm my own suspect. Now, he claimed to have been in a coma for several weeks, and he woke up from the coma on May 3rd with his rifle missing and heard about a suspect matching his description. Then he hitchhiked from Los Angeles, um feeling like he was running for murder. He said that he was just charged for the Air Force being a psychoneurotic in 1945. Chief of police said, I feel that the man is just certainly a mental case. The Texarkana's murders could have been the work of a mental case, so far as we know, this man could have done it. But we have absolutely no facts. They will... They'll have to be developed. Yeah, they, they, got exist. All kind of, they got all kind of false confessions out of this. And country. they said that, you know, so many things that he said had no basis in fact at all. Yeah. Um, now, there was another guy. They arrested a... Uh, and they did, They don't even... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. They don't even give this guy's name. Is this the guy <clears throat> they hypnotized? Yeah, 30-year-old black guy. His tire tracks were found on the other side of the road from Martin's corpse in this. And he failed a polygraph exam. So the officers decided to have him hypnotized. I didn't know they could just decide to do that. Well, I just first of all, again, poly, poly, uh, a polygraph are unreliable now. I'm sure in 1946 they were not very reliable. And if polygraph is unreliable, you know hypnosis is unreliable. Oh, I believe in hypnosis. All right, but go ahead. I believe in hypnosis because I was, I was actually... Uh, did you ever? Did anyone ever make you fly like a chicken? No, I had been hypnotized to see my former lives, and it turns out I was a Mayan warrior. Really? At one For time. sure. Yeah, I was, uh, in the 1920s, I was a union Until starter. 2012. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. because then you, then the yeah. world ended. Right. And what were you before that? Um, I, I worked, I started the car unions. Did you? Yeah, started the car unions. Um, were you ever a harlot? No, I was never, I was never a woman, but I was a pirate at one time. Really? I was a pirate. I um, can, I can I was see. even a dolphin. I can see you with a parrot on your shoulder. I yeah. Think that's a good look for you. You know what I didn't like? The one eye patch. Yeah. Because well, your depth perception all messed up. How did you do with the hook? You know what? Had the worst time wiping his ass. <laughs> well, and, plus, and masturbation was a bitch. 
Well, it depends. No, actually, it's pretty handy because you used the one. <laughs> Was hand. it handy? Back to the story. So Back to the today. story. Okay. But anyway, why do we um, do, do this to ourselves? <laughs> so they take this man to see a psychiatrist named Travis Elliott. Never go to a psychiatrist named Travis. Okay, because or Elliot. Well, no, Travis. It's well known that um, Travis is a name associated with um, molestation. What, what they do is they hypnotize what? you, molest you. They put you under, they sodomize God. you, and then that's why that I never sounds go to like a your Saturday night. <laughs> so I never go to a psychiatrist named Travis. All right. Um, so anyway, Elliot talks to this. This Travis has a private session with the man. Of course, it's private because he's gonna hypnotize him and did sodomize he, did him. Did he did he swing a watch in front of his face? Uh-uh, he hit him in the top of the head with a ball peen hammer. That's what's well, easy. <laughs> right, it's ahead, easiest way ahead. to hypnotize. What happened somebody. when he hypnotized the dude? He said. He could be, you have the wrong man, he has no criminal tendencies. And later he said, the technique I used on this man was to get him to completely relax. Then I started counting by ones, twos, threes, to a hundred, and then backwards. And then I hit him on the head with a ball-peen hammer. I don't think that was part of the story. (laughs) I had established in his mind that I was his friend. Nice. Until I hit him with the ball-peen hammer. You did not hit him with a hammer. I told him that I was his friend. He believed that I was his friend. I told him I would be right back. I was going to get him a sandwich. I came back without the sandwich. I was never his friend. (laughs) Bastard. (laughs) Yeah. So, he was completely relaxed, but he was hungrier than hell. Okay. So, what did he do under hypnosis? What did he say? Um, he clucked like a chicken. The critical stage he, is the next state where the subject is... Did he do the funky chicken? Uh, cataleptic. The longer you keep them in the state of catalepsy, the deeper they think, sink into the third state. Bullshit. I kept him 10 minutes in this state of catalepsy. He was in a state of extreme exhaustion. Sweat was on his face, and I... Oh, I don't even want to talk about what Travis did to the poor man. No, no, no. What did he say? Suffice to say, it involved taking his britches to. No, it did not. What did did he uh, say? He said, um, I asked him if he killed Betty Joe Booker, and he said, no. And then I asked him who did it. He said, I don't know. And then it was revealed on the night of the Booker murder. the suspect had spent some time with a friend, dropped him off at home, and then pulled over on the side of North Park Road to urinate. He oh. then visited his paramour. Oh, But after man. the plans did not work out, he went home and went to bed. You know, you need a pair of paramours. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, and now Sheriff Presley and his officers then checked the details of the man's story and cleared him. Why? Because they went back and, I guess, sniffed the weeds or something and they could smell his urine? I don't know. Well, maybe they talked to the paramour and the paramour... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. His story. But anyway, he... But he, he healed from the from the um, head wound he and the sodomy the and all that. Okay, um, so he... Do you ever really heal was from released. sodomy? Huh? Do you ever really heal from sodomy? Does, Brandy, your, your dad is in law enforcement. Does he... Do they ever use hypnosis? Yes. Do they really? Yep. Do they use sodomy? Does he believe hypnosis is helpful? My dad is actually 
was certified to do it. Really? Yeah, he used to hypnotize me all the time. Did uh, is that what happened to you? Do they? Do he needs to bring you out of it. He puts you in some kind of state that he needs to snap his fingers. Have and bring he ever brought in psychics? I don't know. I would be surprised. He's not real big into that. Uh, now think about this. There might be this sweet kind <clears throat> woman underneath yeah. the mask we're looking at. There is yeah. not. She might be Rest hypnotized sure to be not. mean. There's public parking under there. Hold on, hold on. Look at me, devil. You are feeling sleepy. You okay. are relaxed. <laughs> I am feeling sleepy. Yeah, okay. because we're four hours into this podcast. <laughs> what happens next, Colonel? Well, okay. Is that it? Okay, let's get to the trial. Uh, there's no trial. Goddamn right there ain't no trial. You know why there ain't no trial? They never I didn't, and you know why they didn't catch him? Why? Because all the officers was hungry. No. Here's they didn't happened. have a Snickers bar. So, you know what else happened? Well, not much. They made a movie I mean, let me tell you. A bunch of people confessed to this, but, you know. They never did. It was it. all crackpots. Yeah. I'm just going to say, now I'm wrapping up my part. I'm probably not even going to participate. I'm weak. Okay, I'm wait, wait a minute. Let me just tell you what else happened next. My so, hands are shaking. So, after, remember the Starks, the man and woman that got shot in their home, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so four days after the Starks murder, on Tuesday, May 7, 1946, which, by the way, was just two days before my birthday, although it was 15 years prior. You but, always say that. What? But on Tuesday, May the 7th, 1946, four days after the Starks murder, a body of a man was found at the Kansas City Southern Railway track 16 miles north of Texarkana. The man was lying face down. His arms had been severed at the elbow and legs severed at the hip. Uh, and were on in, he was on the inside tracks of the, uh, rail, of the railroad, rail line, and a freight train had hit him around 5.30 in the morning. What was the cause of death? Well, let me get to that. The body was taken to a local funeral home for examination, and the, the coroner uh, who examined the body, uh, conclusion was that death was at the hands of a person or persons unknown, and that the dead bo- he, was, uh, he was laid on the tracks after he was killed. Oh, that's just an insult to injury. Now, the local sheriff, this was a little different district. It was a little River County sheriff, like the River Band. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. He scoffed. Lady scoffed. scoffed. Yeah, so he scoffed at the idea uh, that, the man, that the man was awesome. murdered, and he said he just fell. The sheriff felt that he just fell on, onto the train tracks. It was an accident. So he asked the coroner to review the body evidence again. The coroner did, and the second time was even more convinced that there was foul play afoot uh, because he found a deep cut over the man's temple two inches wide and one and a half inches long, uh, which was uh, uh, sufficiently deep enough to cause death. He also found cuts on the man's hand and wrist, which would indicate the man had grappled with another person who had a knife. All these wounds were clean and indicated that the cuts were made with a sharp instrument. The wounds which were believed to the man received when his body was struck by the train were full of dirt and were jagged. So the coroner believed that the man was dead a full two two to three hours prior to being placed on a railroad track, like snidely whiplash, Mm -hmm. and that there was not enough blood around the wounds uh, which caused his death uh, before being found. So blood was found on the street near the crime scene supporting the coroner's theory. But the police, again, the local sheriff did not buy into that. 
The man was identified as Earl Cliff McSpadden. This is the victim. McSpadden? McSpadden. Cliff. Like he was fly? He was, a tran- he was a transient worker from Baltimore. Uh, and many people believe he is actually the sixth victim of the Phantom Killer because, again, this is a small community. They don't have a lot of crime. and He uh, didn't have no gunshots. He didn't have any gunshots. He was killed probably by a knife. But, again, it was only 10 miles from where these other uh, incidents occurred and only four days after the Starks were killed. So they're going to hang everything on this poor bastard? Well, this guy, I mean... This guy. This guy, this guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that a lot of people believe that he was the victim. Now, the curious thing is after this, well, or after the Starks, depending on what theory you believe, if you believe that the Starks were the last victims, uh, after the Starks or after this guy died four days later... The murders just stopped. So whether or not uh, this guy was the sixth victim or not, the murders just stopped, which would lead you to think either... That guy was the murderer. The guy that they arrested, Yoel, right, Sweeney? Yeah. For, who got put away for uh, car theft. Uh, or the, the killer just left town, or he died. Or possibly maybe the murders... There were some murders that were not related. Maybe someone had it in for the Stark, you know, uh, Virgil Starks, because that was a whole... And, you know, and the serial killer's running loose. That's the time to go knock someone off, right? It really is. You know, this is what I don't... This, You know, poor Virgil. Yeah. I mean, think about it. He's sitting there. He's uh, he, he's just about dead. Putting on his heating pad. Listening to, pad. Listening to Phoebe McGee and Molly. Yeah. And you know what? He looks up and he's... His last thought is, somebody finally shot that witch in the mouth. And bring me a sandwich. (laughs) Bring me, oh, I'm going to die. Actually, he probably got the, I mean, if you have to go, he probably got the best deal. I mean, he didn't get beat up. He didn't get raped. He just got shot. He just got shot, yeah. Yeah. Because this guy shoved a barrel of a gun inside you. You don't want to mess with this guy. Ted Bundy did some crazy shit, but he didn't never do nothing with the barrel of a gun. So, yeah, Gacy... Uh, he was great. Sick. I mean, he used fireplace pokers and mm-hmm. all kinds of nasty yeah. things. But You know, Timmy, we got to wrap this up because I'm the, the colonel just fading away. To, and as you people might know, the colonel not a svelte man. And uh, I think you got enough reserve you don't, that you won't You starve. don't keep this physique by missing lunch. Yeah, you know, know. You it mean, ain't easy to keep this kind of physique on the colonel. Yeah, I understand. You're the baddest man in podcasting. I was going to ask you about that. Ain't because most you know, dangerous, man. There's e- most dangerous man. Because, you know, what do you think about this whole East Coast, West Coast podcasting thing that's going on? You're Midwest. You're kind of like the M&M well, of podcasting. You know, and, and really, I mean, I, I think podcasting is, a, is a, you know, a, a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's room for everybody in mm-hmm. it. There's not. Um, but... If I gotta make either the East Coast or West Coast my bitches, mm-hmm. I'll do it in a heartbeat. You wanna give me some lip? Okay. I'll come up there and I'll take a Yeti and slap you right up your damn head with Ain't nobody wanna <laughs> get Yeti? into a war with the Colonel. Excuse me, Colonel. Brandy, what is your theory on who did these murders? You have any thoughts? It's not the coma guy. <laughs> I know it's not, <laughs> not the coma guy. You know, I think it was Yule. I think he was the best. Or even the guy that even the guy that left all the incoherent ramblings. Okay, the guy confessed. There was yeah. a lot of false confessions. I mean, but yeah, I, I think it was the that. sheriff. I think it was Max Tackett. 
was it might have been nothing in it might have been Mrs. Stark. It might have been a murder suicide attempt. She shot herself in the head. It might have. Nah. I think it was Joel. Joel I think it was Joel. My my conclusion is it was Joel. All right. Uh, that's going to be your final wood. I got another conclusion, too. Got a wood. Now, wood. listeners, wood. where can you find me? Well, probably laying on my desk unconscious with the low blood sugar and the low diabetes. Um, but Stitcher. you can look for us on Stitcher. You won't find us because I don't know how to find us on Stitcher. You can get us on YouTube. <laughs> no. Um, iTunes. iTunes. Facebook. See, the Colonel Mine going. It, I, I ain't iTunes, had no. Facebook. You know what? Anybody Halloween, got a piece everybody. of candy or if anything? Find, if you found us once, find us again. Anybody Happy Halloween. Uh, I eat some, I, we'll I'll see eat you anything. next time. Cracker. Oh, Why are you still talking? <laughs> goodbye. Say goodbye, Colonel. Goodbye, Colonel. Goodbye, Colonel. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.